In Christ Jesus, dear fellow redeemed, God's grace and His strength are ours, especially in the days that we needed to stand up in a world that tries to push us down. Amen. Today, November 1st, 2020, marks the, two, the 503rd year after Luther nailed 95 sentences on the front door of his church. And the, and the sentences or the theses were 95 reasons why he believed it was wrong for his own church body, the Roman Catholic Church of the Dark Ages, to sell indulgences to people. And he wanted to have a public debate about the sale of indulgences. Indulgences were, are a, a certificate from the, the Pope himself that you or someone you love could get years off of purgatory in the next life, according to the Catholic Church, if you gave them a sum of money for that certificate. You can also, according to Rome, get indulgences for good works. Luther had been studying the Bible and the good news of Jesus Christ, and he found them in, in, in contradiction to that idea of selling indulgences. And he wanted to debate it. He, so he nailed these on the front door of his church, and he knew it was coming out of the closet and going public, and it did create quite a stir. And he ended up in some debates, but it never wasn't a debate over those 95 theses. It was a debate over the, the Bible, the gospel, what he was doing, and the, the, the church and state both together deciding that he needed to be quiet. What Luther did and how God blessed it at that time in 1517 created a domino effect that reverberated through the entire Western society. And some really interesting blessings and byproducts came out, out of the Reformation. One was the separation of church and state. And so that now the, the whole experiment, the American experiment, is that church and state would be separate and no one would be persecuted for what they believe or teach in spiritual or religious matters. That is a byproduct of the Reformation. Also, the equal status of men and women is a byproduct of the Reformation. Education for both boys and girls and many other blessings. But the greatest gift of the Reformation are not those things that I just mentioned that are so praised by the world. The greatest blessing was that Luther restored to human beings an opportunity from the church itself to hear the pure message of Jesus Christ, that he is their savior and that he rescued them from their biggest problem, which is the death and eternal death that we all face because of our sin. Luther in, and, and others had come before him, but they had been squashed by the government or the church. Luther was allowed by God's grace to live many more years. And, and the, the message of the Bible spread all through the arteries of the church, which had the Bible but had not been living according to it, all throughout Europe. Today, as we remember what happened there, and we celebrate that we are the heirs of that great gospel that, that was restored to the church, we look at a letter that was important to Martin Luther it's a letter in the Bible. It's Galatians that the Apostle Paul wrote. You see, Luther was, was uh, pushed out of the monastery 
to teach at a, a university in Wittenberg, Germany, and he was told to teach the Bible. One of the books that he was teaching was Galatians, and a teacher is twice taught. The book of Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey, after he had, had, had come to that city and started a church there by teaching them the gospel of Jesus. And then later, some Jewish people came and they said to these Gentile, which is a non-Jew, Gentile Christians, they said, if you really want to follow the Jew named Jesus, then you need to be circumcised like Jesus was and follow the Jewish religion that Jesus was a part of. It seemed right. It seemed spiritual. There was some sacrifice. It's not all that comfortable for a grown man to get circumcised. And it would, it would be a very uh, clear way to demark themselves from the rest of the world or their pagan upbringing. These Jewish people that told them that to really follow Jesus meant you had to be circumcised also told them you had to eat the Jewish kosher diet too and keep all the ceremonial days, uh, both weekly moments and daily moments and ceremonies throughout the year. Paul the Apostle wasn't there when all this happened and he found out about it and he was very upset, emotionally distraught because they were departing from the clear message of Jesus Christ and they were going back to some kind of law, some kind of performance of people, of their own performance, to depend on that to be saved. You see, the gospel that Paul taught them, that Jesus lived and taught, is like this. God made Adam and Eve, who are the parents of all of humanity. But before they had one child, Adam and Eve fell into sin. And when they fell into sin, they brought a sinful nature into humanity that's passed down through all generations. So you and I and everyone else all sin. We struggle with sin. If you want to find a definition for sin that would be easy and work for you, why don't you try this? Selfishness. We all are basically self-centered and we live with that all the time. And it makes us do things that are, we know in our conscience are wrong, but at the time they seem to be to our advantage. And so, in our selfishness, we commit acts that, for which we feel guilty, and we should. We say things that we shouldn't, and we feel guilty, and we should. Because we know that we're not living according to that moral law written in our heart by our Creator. We're living by the sinful nature that our parents passed down to us. And we have guilt and shame. The message, the message of Jesus is that all people will stand before God and be judged for their sins. Except that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to replace our life with his to rescue us from our own sins and our lack of performance. To die for our sins and to rise again to say, I have rescued you. So we won't have to be judged by Jesus or the Father or the Holy Spirit because Jesus was already judged in our place. When you think about that, it's the most beautiful message for a guilt-ridden soul. And we all if we're honest with ourselves, should and do experience guilt. But we don't have to, because now Jesus has taken it away. Isn't that good news? That's what happened to Martin Luther when he studied the Bible in this passage in Galatians, where Paul is trying to restore that good news for the Galatians. It was restored for Luther, and it's restored for anyone else, including you and me. Before I read it, I want to give you just a quick illustration. Imagine that you were about three miles offshore where the water is 100 feet deep 
and the, there's a storm, and the winds are blowing away from the shore out, and, and, and you can see the waves pushing out, and you're in a boat, and it capsizes, and everyone's lost but you. And you're, you had, the boat is gone, you have no life preserver, and you're dog paddling, and you're swimming for your life. Imagine as you try your best to swim towards shore, you can see that the objects through the waves on shore are getting smaller and smaller. You're being carried out to sea, and you're getting very tired. Now imagine if a, a, an angel of God were to come by, with, flying on his wings, to visit you, and he hovered over you while you're struggling to swim to shore, and he said, I have good news. If you'll just swim harder, you might make it. That wouldn't be good news at all, because you'd be very much aware that you're about to go under by fatigue, but, and, and that you'd swim as hard as you can, and you might make it. That was the message of the church of the Dark Ages. You might make it if you try really hard. The angel of God who hovers over our head with the everlasting gospel. Revelation chapter 14 talks about this. The message of the Bible, of heaven, of the church, is that a helicopter came with a ladder. It's coming. The helicopter's coming and they're going to rescue you. So you have a choice. Do you want to try to swim to shore? Or do you want to let them rescue you? You'd say, it's great news. Send them Drop the ladder, drop the, the, the guardians, and help them come get me. I'm done. That was Martin Luther. That was also the Apostle Paul when Jesus knocked him off his horse. And both of those men were so lit on fire by the excitement that they were rescued that they needed and wanted to have the world know about it. So here's Paul saying that the Galatians that he had talked to about Jesus who are going back to some kind of human laws to try to save their soul, he's saying, no, what Christ is for you is better and don't leave it. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. I'll read to you 1 to 6, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised for religious reasons, Christ will be of no value to you at all because you're now trying to swim to shore. Again, I declare to every person who lets himself, or every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified, that's declared innocent before God by, by the law, you have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, which is God's undeserved love for us. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This, this is one of those passages that just unlocked heaven for Martin Luther, and it unlocks heaven for us too. Paul says, we are waiting for the day when God returns. Either he 
returns to take our soul to heaven or he returns to end the world and take all of our Christian souls to heaven. We're waiting for that day when he will say, the righteousness that I promised to, to, that I have given you through my son will now be visible. It will be your white robe, it says in Revelation 7, a white robe of righteousness that the Lord puts over our life. Right now we preach about it and we believe it by faith. But when he comes, we will feel it and see it and it will be ours. We wait for that day where God will not list off all of our sins that sends us to hell because Jesus took them away. He will list off all of Jesus and then give that to us and welcome us into heaven because we're those who have faith in him. So to go to some religious act or performance and think that by it you become a good person in God's mind is to leave that gift on the table. It's to say, don't rescue me. I'll swim to shore. Paul says, if you, if you think just by doing circumcision, which these Jewish leaders were leading them to do, and also some of the dietary laws, he goes, you've got to keep the whole law. And no Jew he has ever done that. He doesn't say it that way here, but no Jew has ever kept the whole law because all Jews are just people, like all the Gentiles. And he's trying to teach these Gentiles not to let go of Christ, stand firm. And he says it was for freedom that God set us free. Free from what? Freedom from the burden of trying to swim to shore with God. Freedom from guilt that harasses everyone. Freedom from shame that we have. Freedom from trying to get rid of that dirty feeling on our own. You're free from that struggle. You're free from believing that you've got to figure out what all the rules are so you can be good enough for God. Freedom from the burden of being a slave spiritually to be a son or daughter of God in your heart. There's so much in the book of Galatians. I hope you read it. Luther, after this all, after nailing the 95 Theses, just a few years later, to help his own elector, which is a prince of his land, said, I need you to speak the gospel that you're teaching in a winsome way to the Pope because he's upset that you're saying all these things about the the works and teachings of the church. So write us something we can send to the Pope in your name. You're writing about the gospel that you teach. And Luther wrote a little devotional booklet that I hope after you hear this, you'll go online and find it and read it. You can order it or you can just read it online. It's called The Freedom of the Christian. And it might be titled The Freedom of the Christian Man, but he means the freedom of all Christians. And what he talks about, that's that word freedom in the text here, is that a Christian is slave to no one because he's free from the law and yet slave to everyone through love because he loves God and everybody else. This leads me to the main thought of this Reformation sermon for you and me. The only thing that counts is faith working itself out in love. And that's what Paul the Apostle said in our verse 6. He says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. For Luther, for Paul, it gave them the freedom of the burden that they had of trying to earn 
God's favor, which was a terrible burden in Luther's life. He lost a lot of weight fasting and, and, and it's called pugilism, uh, self uh, hitting himself in the name of God to punish himself for his sins. He had spent a long time in uh, the monastery trying to confess every sin and, do, and make up for it with rosaries and penance and all kinds of, of good works to take care of it. And he was miserable during that time. But now he was free. He no longer hated God thinking he had a, a rule book so big nobody could keep it. He loved God for having a Savior that nobody could deny. And it was all in the book. See, the church had quit teaching the book. So Luther knew, if I can get this book into the hands of the people, it's God's book, they will know it too. And so he said, I'm going to be a part of this gospel uh, uh, presentation by translating the Bible into the language of his people who were Germans. And so Luther worked on the, the Bible. He got his friends involved and it took a few years, but they translated the entire Bible into German. It had been locked away in Latin and then the original languages of the Bible, Greek and Hebrew, and the German people couldn't read it. Once they read it and the printing press had just been invented a few years earlier, they, were, they, they sent Bibles out everywhere to people and people could read for themselves this beautiful passage right here, that Christ is everything. And if you leave him for rules, you'll leave your salvation. And the only thing that counts is trusting. That's the word faith. Faith, trusting Christ. And that working itself out in your life in love. So what does this mean for us, children of the Reformation? It means that we will want to keep our head straight. We will want to do it in the smallest moment and in the largest way. To, to our head straight that it's all about trusting in Christ and not trusting in our involvement in our faith. You can actually say it's all about trusting Christ. And then you can actually live as though it depends on how good you are and how good you are at church. You can have certain of your own rules about good Christians and behavior and be judging yourself and others by it all the time. You can like, I feel like you should not get back to church because after all, you've been doing some things that you know were way wrong. But you think that they, God doesn't really want you back and neither do the people. When in fact, your, your problem is, is that you're not living by faith in a rescuer from those sins that you feel guilty about. And the further you get away from the church that preaches this gospel, the more you believe the lie that you have to work your way back and be good before you come. See how easy it is? Unwittingly, my Sunday school when I was growing up led me into a self-righteousness. We had perfect attendance awards. And I would tell my parents, we can't miss Sunday school because I want a perfect attendance. I would cry if we were going to go do something else as a family, if they wouldn't figure out. And I'd figure out a way to ask the teacher, can I make up Sunday school so I can get the award? You know what the award was? At the, you get a certificate every month. And at the end of the year, if you had 12 certificates, you got the first year, you got a little Luther seal, which was all about the gospel, by the way. The, the, the seal of Luther has the symbols that are all about Jesus dying for you and rising again. And after you got the seal your first year, the second year, you'd get a little bar that had chains attached to it. And it would say uh, second year and third year. Well, there's 12 years of Sunday school, like there's 12 years of school in America. And anybody who had 12 years, they would pin this to their little suit or their little dress 
And as they were going through Sunday school, they'd add these bars. I felt like a little general as I had six and seven and eight. I was becoming a little Pharisee, trusting in my performance at being at Sunday school. Unwittingly, hearing the gospel all the time, and yet having a, a habit in a way at church that led me to self-righteousness. Paul even told the Corinthians he didn't count the people that he baptized. I think it was Paul's not wanting to, to find any pride or merit in even his works of a, as a Christian. But here's, here's a, th- a thing to, th- to remember. When you're free from trying to swim to shore, you're then free with strength to love people in a way that you've never had strength before. Because you're not trying to love them in order to see if they love you back. So you don't have any of that anxiety or bitterness. You're not trying to earn God's favor and sit up at night wondering if it was enough. You don't, you don't need to apologize perfectly, but you care about the person, so you'll apologize faithfully and humbly. You will do things for people out of love with the energy that's given you because you're outward rather than inward. If you're trying to swim to shore, there's a, you spend a whole lot of energy inwardly focused. There was a man at the monastery who was the, the father of the, you know, monast- the monks named Staupitz. And he sent Luther to Wittenberg knowing he had to get into the word and get out of himself. Staupitz understood the gospel too. And he helped Luther learn the gospel. And what happened was, Luther worked harder than he had ever worked before with greater joy and greater impact and meaning than he had ever had in all the good works he had tried to do before. He wrote, he wrote he, in his freedom, he wrote papers and had them disseminated, printed and disseminated throughout Germany and beyond about how the idea that you would go into a nunnery, a convent or a, a monastery and earn God's righteousness by being good and praying all day and fasting and working for your brothers or sisters there. He wrote about that being a yoke of slavery and that there was freedom in Christ. And the the monasteries and convents started emptying of people. In fact, part of the pressure on, on on the state to get rid of Luther was the economic devastation of the empty monasteries and convents. And the, the way that it damaged families, because many of these families took their little boys and girls and stuffed them away there because they couldn't afford them as farming families to raise them. And now they're coming out and coming back home, and they don't have a family because the families had stuffed them away, and now they're stressed. And so they talk to the prince and the king, and we got to get rid of Luther, and this man is evil because he's telling everybody to leave their vows. You know what? That meant Luther, and he knew this, he'd have to start loving and caring for those monks and those nuns because <laughs> they didn't have anybody else to. And he welcomed them into his home. And he ended up marrying one. He says, first out of compassion, not out of romance, her name was Katie. And they started housing people, students at the seminary and college, professors, Nuns and monks who were trying to run. It was a crime to leave a convent and they could arrest you and punish you, bring you back. Uh, Luther and Katie had 30 and more people living in their home 
throughout their entire 21-year marriage. This is not an exaggeration. This is real. They worked harder than they had ever worked before, but it was in loving people. And during the, the plague that was sweeping through Europe again, they often had people in their home that had the plague and they would take care of them. They had six children of their own. Luther taught at the Wittenberg and he preached daily and on Sundays. These are like, it's, it feels like you're reading about superhuman people, but they're not. They're just sinners like you and me. And you read enough of Luther's writings and you'll see how sinful he really was. But he worked hard in love. And he, and, and, and he helped a lot of churches get turned around in the gospel. And he was helping two princes who were arguing over an inheritance when he died, probably of a heart condition that ended in a heart attack when he was 63 years old. Katie, Katie went on serving people and serving her children and doing her best to keep all of the, the things going that, that they had been doing as a couple that she could still keep going as an individual. She died only a few years later, six years later at the age of 53 from an injury running for her life during the, the, the 30 years war. Fell out of a wagon in a deep creek and injured herself internally and lay there on the bed for three months until she went to glory. The Apostle Paul, who taught them these passages, you know what he said once? He said, I work harder than all the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God working in me. So why am I telling you this? It's about freedom. God doesn't free us so we can be selfish and self-indulgent and retire from the Christian faith. He frees us so we'll be free from the burden of trying to swim to shore. So we'll use that strength and freedom that he gives to help other people be rescued. That's the way and the reason that he gives us freedom. That's what Paul's talking about. And he says that further in the chapter. So here we are celebrating the Reformation and the freedom we have in Christ. And on Tuesday, in just two days, we'll have elections in our country. And we'll elect from the highest office in the land, the president, on down through senators, congressmen, and, and local, local uh, nobles. It's a nerve-wracking time. I want to remind you, as a citizen in the United States, that no matter what happens on Tuesday, God's watching. And He has allowed you to have freedom in the American kind of way, so that you know, know whether it's your candidate or your party that wins, you know that you, your freedom will be protected by your government because your, your government is built upon the premise of every person can be free. That is actually, this freedom that we have is actually a byproduct of the Reformation, the separation of the church and state grew out of the Reformation that God blessed Martin Luther to begin. But more importantly, Regardless of that freedom, remember that freedom that we're so proud of as Americans is a little bitty dwarf. It's a little doll sitting up on your shelf. It's not as big and as important as you want to make it. The freedom that you have as a Christian is no matter what government, no matter whether the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, you're a slave or you're free. So whether you're an American or you're under a, a, an oppressive government in some other country today, you have freedom in Christ from all of your sins. The dead end that you are headed toward is removed. And the gates of heaven are open to you through Jesus Christ. 
Your sins will not condemn you. Your selfishness, your mistakes, they're all gone. Jesus took them away. You're free. You're free to love all people. Women, men, boys, girls, enemies, and friends. Good relatives and bad ones. You're free. So throw yourself into loving God and the people that He made in His name. And use your freedom to free others from their problems. Amen.